Well, good morning again from me. I'm not sure I can preach because my mind's trying to get around how Nick knew my number was five. I could live to 90 and not figure that out because I'm an English student, not a math student. Mind-blowing. But if you can focus um, and you're brighter than me, I just want to welcome you to my part as well where I just want to lift up Jesus as, and here's a funny phrase about him, the elect man. And hopefully it'll change all of our lives this morning. If you're streaming, uh, tuning into the stream and you're not a Christian, you need to know about Jesus, the elect man. If you've been a Christian for 400 years and you're joining us in the live stream, um, you need to be reminded about Jesus as the elect man. Children listening, welcome. Here's a question for you. What do you want to be when you're older? When you get appointed to do a job or elected to do a job, what would you like that job to do? I know some of you are drawers, so draw yourself doing your ideal job. I'd like to see that. But on the second bit of the page, here's another question for you to answer, and maybe the adults can think about this too. What job do you think Jesus has? What job do you think Jesus has been appointed or elected or chosen to do? And so you doing stuff and Jesus doing stuff, I'd love to see what your answers are. Um, welcome everybody, Christian or not Christian, two things are going to help you this year. Well, there's loads of things, but two things I want to tell you now are going to help you this year. Number one, don't worry too much about human elections and policies handling the fallout of the pandemic world. Don't worry too much about that. Here's the second thing that will help you this year. Have a bigger view of Jesus as the world tries to figure out how to live in a post-COVID world. Jesus the elect man, or Boris the elected politician. Politicians are in the news again, um, perhaps more than ever in the last 12 months. But they're in it again all through January. Mainly, the news is all about their flaws and their failings and how they've let us down and made the wrong choices. I've been struck about how much people seem to have placed their whole hope in politicians and how utterly devastated they are and how hate-filled they become when the elected politicians don't do things the way they hoped that they would. Everybody seems to have forgotten this and will be better off this year if we remember it. In the Bible, I was reminded of it this week as I watched an interview on YouTube. In the Bible, the Apostle Paul, who was a Christian, has been thrown into prison. And the elected politicians have thrown him into prison for being a Christian. But he's still so peaceful. And he's writing letters to churches. His mind and soul are basically walking around as a free man in heaven with Jesus. Also in the Bible, the, uh, the Christian called John, or one of them, was thrown onto an island. Get rid of John, he keeps talking about Jesus too much. Stick him in isolation in an island. And the elected governments kicked him out. 
And they were nasty to him. And John is at peace. And he writes letters about Jesus. And his mind is still in heavenly places, as Nick told us to do when he read Philippians earlier on. And the world has forgotten what those two chaps hadn't forgotten. That human policies are not the be-all and end-all. And whoever we've elected, or whoever we think has let us down, it doesn't have to affect us deeply at the level of peace and salvation and joy. Whatever happens in the fallout this year, Christians have someone else who's elect and who we can think of and enjoy whatever the human policies are this year. Even in a post-COVID world, or whatever it is, a vaccine world, and the financial fallout from it, whatever the earthly elected rulers decide, we can still have lives full of peace and joy. Because we don't worship and trust fully in those people. We worship Jesus and trust Him fully. And He carries the issues of life on His shoulders. And He rules all the governments are upon the shoulders of Jesus, the elect man. Here's an interesting thought. It was in the interview I watched this week. Jesus is the one behind plagues and storms onto planet earth. And do you know why? It's to shake people out of trusting in earthly politicians or education or health, to stop us thinking those are the be-all and end-all. We've elected those things to find our peace. We've appointed those things to cause us joy. And Jesus shakes us with COVID to remind us, no, there's a world to come and a kingdom which is much better that we should be living for. So shake everything, Lord. That needs to be shaken so we can come to the elected king and be his people. Nick said, um, it's dawned on many the value of spiritual life this year as people turn to the better elect man. So the elect man who gives us everything we need is Jesus um, and we need to have a bigger view of him this year. My calling is to remind us all, this week, Jesus can handle everything that we go through in life. Here's a question. Uh, take a second to think back through your life. Um, who have you observed in life who struck you as someone who does their job excellently better than you've ever seen anyone else do it take a moment to think like the best whatever the best footballer you've ever seen who does the job excellently they've been appointed or elected to do a job and they do it excellently who well i wrote down um, the two most famous footballers in my generation are lionel messi and cristiano ronaldo <clears throat> people seem to think they do their job better than everyone else maybe uh, except for a few Cardiff City players. but um, By the way, side sermon, I think it's really interesting that the, the two masters at football, 
Their names mean the Lion Messiah, that's Jesus, and Christian Ruler, Cristiano Ronaldo. But we'll do that another day. Um, the best guitarist or the best music concert I've ever seen uh, is David Gilmore live at the Royal Albert Hall in 2004. <laughs> what are you shaking your head at? Nick is disgusted at that. I just think David Gilmore, as an older guy playing the guitar, I can't think of many people who I would delight in more than watching him. Masters, I've elected them to be the example of the best person in their field. At the start, I asked the children, what job do you think Jesus has been elected or appointed to do? Uh, what does he do so admirably well? Well, I got a ton of answers. In fact, I had about 22. You'll be glad to know I'm only going to focus on a couple of them. Um, but just think about this. Before I get to the answer, the passage I'm going to look at that Nick read in a minute, it basically says, God the Father delights in Jesus. As millions of people might delight in Ronaldo and Messi for football skills, or David Gilmore, there's something that Jesus is and does, and the Father in heaven delights in what he's doing. And that's a massive indicator that we will be better off if we delight in the elected Jesus. Linked to that, I have a question that might cause some of you to shudder. If you're a non-Christian, it won't cause you to shudder. If you're a Christian that's been brought up in a certain type of church, it might cause you to shudder, particularly if you're watching from the West, um, in the Western Hemisphere. What springs to mind when I say the word elect or election? Forget politics a minute, I've touched on that. But in terms of Christianity or theology, the study of God, election. How do you feel if you've had ever studied that or had discussions on that? Well, I've studied theology for a hefty part of my, uh, well, my life now, I think. And I found that that term election usually causes church members to go like this. And they shudder. And confusion and fear comes over them. Elect. Election. And they start thinking this immediately. Oh, have I been chosen to become a Christian by God? Am I chosen to be a Christian? How can I be saved? What if God doesn't want me? What if He's chosen someone to become a Christian and welcome them into His family? And it's not me. And that's the general responses we get after Bible studies on election if they're done in a certain way. Basically, it's got nothing to do with Jesus anymore. Not really. And any Christian teaching which is taught, and Jesus, if he's not right smack in the middle, causes confusion and worry. And we get scared. Particularly with this thing, elect, or appointment, or chosen. Something that God knew way before the world was even made. The focus of election. The focus of appointing, the focus of choosing, according to God the Father. The focus is Jesus. And this is why it's going to warm us this morning. Um, perhaps not physically, because this church is absolutely freezing. But certainly inside, warm us. Um, fill us with awe and peace 
that we so desperately need in a turbulent world. The Father has made a decision about Jesus which can fill us with peace, wonder, and joy. And yes, there are other things that get elect and chosen, and I'll explain that at the end. But first, it's Jesus, and that's the key. Now, for the rest of the talk now, I just want to try and prove why thinking and worshipping about the Father's elected man, chosen man, Jesus, is essential for all of us. Here's why. We all, this, this year, and we all have had our whole lives, a central character who's in our lives. A central character that we think about more than anybody else. We all do that from year one or zero onwards. Someone we appoint to handle stuff that we go through. Someone we turn to for hope and salvation. Or something that we go to to get a sense of peace or hope or security. Something or someone who can strengthen us to stay afloat in this world. And if it's not Jesus, it's somebody else in our lives. Now Nick prayed for the Americans. For many Americans, uh, they look to Donald Trump and they appointed and elected him a few years ago to be the saviour of America and the Western world. Now, Donald Trump has made some bad moves. He's made some good moves. But he's not the answer to bring true peace and hope. And many people are nodding at that. Nick also prayed for Joe Biden, and the, government, and the Bible tells us to pray for human elected people. So I'm glad he did. Joe Biden will make some good moves. Joe Biden will make some bad moves. Sadly, many of that party's policies go against the Word of God. So we know that he's not going to be the answer to change the fabric of the world and to change us forever. But we're all looking to someone. And we get let down a lot. I heard in an interview this week, William Wilberforce, you know him, he's known... He didn't abolish slavery. He was a Christian politician. He didn't abolish slavery. He stopped the slave trade. And there's a difference. He didn't emancipate slaves and stop people from being racist. Though his policies were good. He knew, because he was a Christian, that politics cannot change people's hearts. Not really, and there's still racists around today. Here's the interesting thing about Wilberforce. He didn't look to a human politician or a human man-made law to change the world and to bring hope. And I'll prove it. He did make some great choices, but more than any political decision, William Wilberforce, he carried in his pocket a little notebook which had starting conversations to get chatting to people about Jesus. So he was a good politician, and he did do good things with the slave trade, but he didn't think that's the answer. He wanted to carry on talking to people about Jesus. Why? 
because there's a central character in all of our lives and Jesus is the one, if we make him our elected central character of life and thought, he changes the heart more than any man-made politician or political ruler or rule or law can. Some people look to politics to change the fabric of life, and they will do this year. Wilberforce didn't. He looked to Jesus. Let me tell you something. In where I used to live, children are often neglected and having to be put into care. It's been really interesting coming here. Well, it's the opposite view of children, and they're lavished with everything that the parents think they need from the beginning. And it goes the other way, and I can see that some parents uh, in the schools actually idolize their children and go bananas if the schools don't educate them fully in the way that they want. They go bananas like there's nothing more to life. Do you know why? Because for some people, the central hope of their life is their child. And they sort of live surreptitiously through the child and all the hopes and aspirations of life. They just dump on the child and the school to get all that stuff done. Parents, so often their central character of thought and love and obsession is their kid or their child. And then the education systems get an absolute pasting for not protecting their idol. But most people this year will elect and obsess about another person. Their central person that they turn to for hope and strength to get support above all else is themselves. Themselves. They have elected and appointed themselves in their thought processes and world view as number one to look after above all else. And so... As we're thinking about election and appointments to do jobs and survival and hope and peace, these questions for everyone listening are now vital. When the waves of life overwhelm you this year, what happens if it's overwhelming you, but you're the one that you turn to for hope and strength? What do you do? Teenagers... If you're the central character and you've got no room for Jesus as the ruler or the God, if it's just you, what are you going to do if you get heartbroken this year and you start to go under? Or you develop addictions or sinful habits. The very person you turn to for peace is the very person who's locked in and trapped. If you're obsessed with health, many people in this part of the world are. What happens when you age this year and those pains kick in or you get COVID-19? And what happens if you're sinful and guilty and it's you that's carrying it? You're the one that's failing. What are you going to do? The answer is you're just going to self-destruct. Every one of us will benefit if we start making the elected man, the one that God the Father delights in and obsesses about and loves, if we 
make our central person, Him, the Lord Jesus Christ, He will keep us afloat this year. He will fill us with life. Nick read that Jesus is the anointed one, full of spiritual power and life. The divinely elected ruler of the cosmos, who's also our brother, saviour, friend and king. Get on board with the Father's elected man, Jesus. Or we just enter death and decay. Because that's all that's outside of Jesus, the life-filled man. Um, I was going to talk about uh, my idea of like politics. I'm going to scrap that because uh, you might never listen to me again. So, um, right. So, I just want to end. I had 20 things to focus on as we sort of wrap these things up. Of what Jesus does and who he is. Um, I'm just whittling it down for you to carry away with you for the rest of the day in this week. Nick read Isaiah's prophecy of Jesus. And Nick read Matthew's quoting of Isaiah's prophecy. So that was given to an ancient church and life was crazy, turbulent, full of anxiety. They had issues with a kingdom called Assyria. They had issues coming with a kingdom called Babylon. They had issues coming with a king called Cyrus of Persia who was just ransacking everyone and taking over the whole world. I mean, everywhere you looked politically, it was just cause for worry. And into that, Isaiah prophesies and preaches about God's elect ruler. The king supreme from ages past. Behold, my servant, says God the Father, upon whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon Jesus. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles, to the world. So viewers, Jesus is the one that we entrust all matters of justice and kindness and judgment to this year. Forget the politicians. Handle it with Jesus, whatever you go through this year. If you want to become more just, come to Jesus. He changes us. Jesus, the Spirit-filled man, handles life. And then something will happen if you turn to God's man, Jesus. You will begin to see the world he does in the way he does. And you will get peace. When you come to Jesus, he is appointed to be the spirit-filled man. And you will start to see things the way he sees things. He has sight and vision and wisdom. He's the life-filled spirit man. I'm glad Richard has chosen Amazing Grace to end with because there's a line in there that says this, I was blind, but now I see. What does that mean? It means the writer, Wilberforce's friend, was blind once, handling life himself. He was his own elect man, his own elected God, but then he came to Jesus 
And now he sees. His eyes are open. He's been born again. And Jesus is the one appointed to do that to people. You'll need wisdom and insight this week. Everybody will. In a thousand ways. Colossians chapter 2 verse 3 says, In Jesus, all the treasures exist. Treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus has been appointed to be wisdom. And he will make you wise. Here's a sobering thought for some of you. Definitely for me. It took God everything he had. The death of his son. For people's own egos and wisdom and insights to die. And be killed off. And crucified and put on Jesus so that we can see and repent and now see Him as the wonderful, glorious, wise friend and King that He is. It took Jesus' death on the cross for me to realize this oh, I'm not that clever and I can't handle my own life this year. And it is all death and darkness if I'm in charge. I do need Jesus to live properly. And He's the appointed man to give me that life. Children get it. Children get that the burdens of life can't be handled by us. Children get that Jesus is the elected Lord. And I'll prove it. Listen to Psalm 8. It's about the Lord. Through the praise of children and infants, you, Lord, have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence your foes. That means this. This year, if we come across wise people who think they're wise and they've got all the views on how to live this year and what's going to really change the world, whatever policies and ideas and uh, man-made regimes they've got, if they come to church and they see and hear children praising Jesus for who He is, that He's the Lord and He's the elect ruler, it stops people in their tracks. It stops people. It shuts them up. And children teach a wicked, sinful, selfish world that Jesus is Lord. That's what Psalm 8 promises. The power of children who get that Jesus is the elect man. They're wise. Church kids are wise. In the Bible, even trees and rocks are wise. Trees clap their hands when Jesus walks past. Rocks one day are going to cry out that Jesus is Lord. All the animals seem to get that Jesus is the elect man who supplies everything we need. Why are there so many stories about donkeys and things in the Gospels? Because the whole animal kingdom bow when Jesus walks past. Psalm 104 basically says that my two dogs, Bayer and Evie, the golden, oh, what is she? The fox red lab and whatever Mayer is, border terrier, they acknowledge that their food comes from Jesus. I've got two little dogs constantly reminding me that there's an elect man that I should obsess about who supplies everything we need. 
My dogs and my children are daily reminders that I'm not wise and I'm not the elect man to carry life's burdens. Jesus is. That was Psalm 104, by the way. That's your homework. Jesus makes sense of creation and life. And one of the biggest tragedies is when we teach that creation is somewhat detached from Jesus. I hate that worldview. It's so destructive. All it leaves us is us, our own elected people to live and die for. Jesus makes sense of the cosmos. I better wrap all this up. Nick's children's talk mentioned that Jesus has been appointed by God the Father, that the Father knew that Jesus is appointed as something that we all need to agree on this morning and obsess about. And it's the only way to be saved. And it's the only way for people to join the family of God. And Jesus has been elected and appointed to be the only way. And what is that way? Well, before the world began, the Father elected the Son Jesus to be the entry point to divine life that we all need. Spiritual life. Now listen to this in Revelation chapter 13. Jesus is the Lamb who was slain before the creation of the world. Jesus has been appointed as the wounding, dying sacrifice who takes the sin of his people and all the times we've elected ourselves or lived selfishly or dared to try and live our own life in God's kingdom, all of that is put upon this sacrifice as he hangs on a tree. Peter puts it like this, Jesus was chosen before the creation of the world, elected to die for sinners and to rise again for them. Jesus elected to destroy the death we deserve. Jesus elected to destroy and cast out the sin that ensnares us. Jesus chosen to rise again and share that wise, spirit-filled life. He is the elected, risen Lord who shares himself with us. And blind people can now go, I see. I'm free. He's carrying my life. I don't need to do that anymore. Who's your central character? Who's going to drown this year? It'll be you if it's not Jesus. Make Jesus his central character this year. He's God's elected king. Jesus is risen from the drowning depths of death. Only he has, and he brings people with him. Let me be honest as we wrap up. The cross-centered life that we live as Christians, the Jesus-centered life is painful. It's hard. It's full of self-denial. As we daily need to recognize afresh that it's Jesus that we're to serve, not ourselves. But he shows that after suffering that he went through, there is elected glory. Jesus is reigning in glory now. Suffering leads to glory.
Be in Jesus and go where He is in peace forevermore. Rewrite your story in 2021. Erase yourself as your central character. Add the Lamb. Say with the animals in Narnia, Hail Aslan. We hear and obey. We are awake. We love. We think. We speak. We know. Aslan, of course, is Jesus. One of the greatest texts in the Bible is when we have a little insight to what life was like in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, before the world was made. Listen to Jesus talking to his Father in John chapter 17. Father, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you elected me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. It's just glory coming for Jesus and everyone who's in him. Whatever happens. And now, definitely closing, I can mention us being elected. Go on, I suppose we better mention us as we close. Yes, the church is also chosen to share in the glory of Jesus. <clears throat> Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, the church, with all spiritual blessings in Christ, according as He has chosen us in Jesus before the foundation of the world. One of the most mind-blowing truths for us all today, if we come to Jesus, we say, wow, we've been chosen by the Father to enjoy Jesus as much as the Father enjoys Jesus. May we stop just letting Jesus handle our sins and never letting Him handle our lives after that. May we all give Him our sins but also let him be our elect ruler this week. How we are in our marriages, as parents, as workers, how we spend our money. Jesus is the elect and anointed king who can handle all of that and we'll be better off. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's uh, stand or whatever you do at home and sing Amazing Grace.